All right, you want an intro? I'll give you an intro. Shing! That's it. That's all you need to know. Shing! That's it. Th that one sound effect. Shing! That's all you need to know about why this game is cool. If you still need convincing, listen to the rest of this podcast. But in the meantime, shing! Shing! Shing. <laughs> now everybody just quits watching, quits listening, and goes plays a game because you're just that good. <laughs> there we go! <laughs> Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is when you listen to this. Welcome once again to Gaming Street Irregulars. My name's James Irish. I'm joined here with Chrissy Harding. Hi, everyone. And this is a momentous episode because we are uniting some of our favorite guests. Welcome back for the third time. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host of the Pemmy and James kind of, sort of, hopefully funny cartoon podcast, Mr. Pembroke W. Corgi. Hello, hello. I and like that. I like that you introed me with the plastic man theme. Always <laughs> do. Always do. That's great. Pemmy's been here so much, but he has his own intro music. I love it. Oh, but he's not the only one with their own intro, because welcome back for the second time. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. Ladies and gentlemen, the dynamic duo of Hurricane Kitten and Dobalicious. Hey, guys. <laughs> Yay. So let, let's take a brief moment to first catch up with our guests and what they've been up to recently. Uh, so, Kitten, I, I hear your dog sitting right now. I am, yes. Our best friends are out of town, so we've got an extra dog uh, on top of our two corgis. We are now watching a collie. Very large, collie. Very large. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Did I hear? Did I hear corgis? I have two corgis. Yes. Ah, <laughs> ah yes. Awesome. We've got two corgis in Pennsylvania and a bantam dragon named Corgi in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it a rough collie, um, like a lassie type dog? Or... Yes. Yes. Oh, those are such beautiful and such elegant creatures. This one's kind of dopey. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, didn't say, I didn't say they were smart. <laughs> I have seen more elegant collies than this one. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. So this one isn't going to tell us whether or not your Bowser is falling down the well. No, no. She'll just kind of open mouth, hot breathe on you and drool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> Gotta love dogs. Such dupes. Love them. And Pembroke, right. my understanding is Dapukas is making its return very shortly. Yay! If everything works out right, uh, it should be returning on Tuesday. So, Yay! What can we expect from this chapter of the story? Uh, well, giant jackal Chacol breaks into uh, Belmontville and uh, chaos ensues. Gangster Giraffe is going to get what he deserves, and a lot of crazy stuff is going to happen, both mystical and otherwise. So, If you want to understand what the heck we're talking about, just visit www.dapukas.com. That's D like dog. Well, it'll be in the podcast description. Otherwise, I'll be here all day spelling it out. <laughs> but seriously, go check out Pembroke's webcomic. It is a gloriously fun time with some adorable art, which, you know, Hurricane and Dobby can attest to, since they were just recently gifted a portrait of themselves as their favorite characters. Uh, beautiful work. Excellent. You can. Very thankful for that, by the way. Yes, yes. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. And you'll also see some of Pembroke's artwork at the FC3 uh, comic book convention coming up in September as well. That's right. We're already using his take on Simi to promote the show. Hopefully there's room in the budget to get him up here this year. Would be nice. I've never been to New York before. Right now it's a very rainy. And we've been talking about getting Kitty and Dob up, but we figure 2022 is a smarter choice for that one, yes, given yes. health situations. Yep. 
but there is a distinct reason we are all here for this episode. We are going to be talking about Capcom's character Strider Hyryu, best known for the 1989 arcade game Strider, and the many, many crossover appearances he's made of opposite characters from Marvel Comics, Namco, and Sega. So we will dive in and try to figure out what the heck is going on in this game right after this break. Japan as Strider Hiryu. This Strider is a hack and slash platform game released in arcades in 1989 by, of course, Capcom. Strider is set in a dystopian future in the year 2048 with a wide range of settings that affect the gameplay. The game resulted from cooperation between Capcom and manga publisher Moto Kikaku. It marked the video game debut of the eponymous character after he was introduced in the 1988 manga of the same name. And... This is the favorite video game of Pembroke W. Corky. It is pretty high up there with Dobby. And, and of course, Dobby and Kitten cosplayed this character, which hence our wide-ranging variety of guests today. Mm-hmm. And Chrissy just played it for the first time on Wednesday. And I've I'm played behind. it on and off here and there. And today was the day I actually managed to get past stage two for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, I think they said, like, I was watching um, a video on it that uh, this one, one of the guys on YouTube, he actually does very extensive histories of the video games. And he actually also posted the full run through of the arcade game. So I got to see the arcade game and, and the artwork for that. And he got to the point where he paused the game and goes, now I understand most of you guys will not recognize the rest of these levels. He says, because we all died before this point. <laughs> and, I can actually, and I can actually verify that. Everyone's like, oh, it's an easy pick up and play game. And I'm like, no, this is my, this is Chrissy's pick up and die game. Like, <laughs> it's done by the same people who did Ghost and uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. So it should tell you everything right there, which you need to know about the, the level of difficulty. And especially the jump physics. Oh, my goodness. I was like, I'm playing Ghost, Ghouls and Ghosts. This, I, it's just prettier. <laughs> I, I would say the jump physics in this is a little different than like Ghouls and Ghosts, but that's mainly probably because you can just grab onto pretty much anything really easily. Also, you can attack faster while jumping. That's fair. But that is very fair. true. I absolutely, as you mentioned, I absolutely love this game. Um, I think it's just really neat because there's there's lots of platform, you know, hack and slash platform games, but I don't think any of them feel like this does. The the whole set piece areas of just select levels and everything feels just different from anything else and by the way if you think second level is hard wait until you get to the jungle level that one is oof. oh man I remember yeah that that's that's where i <laughs> set the game down and said okay i'm just gonna watch a video because otherwise i'm never gonna be ready in time to talk to you guys about the game yeah it's, it's, <laughs> what, it's only five it's only five stages right yeah i remember it's five stages and I thought was interesting was the developer of it, which is Koichi uh, Yotsu. He actually was kind of fresh out of college when he when he when he started working um, on Ghouls and Ghosts, and this was actually his first kind of independent project that he was kind of put in charge of. So he was relatively young when he when he worked on this and created it then at least that's what i was that's what i remember from one of the stories was like he was a background designer for ghouls and ghosts and back then they were just like anyone who's got ideas bring it to us we'll we'll see if we'll fund it so i guess he presented them and i did the idea for strider and they were like okay sure go bye here's your money here's your team don't screw up I want to go back to something Pembroke mentioned, the idea of set pieces in this game, because mm-hmm. there are so many ideas in Strider that could be, in and of themselves, final bosses. In the first stage alone, you're infiltrating this Russia-esque territory that's like, you know, with the Onion Dome buildings, and you come across this 
genetically modified super soldier type who has his own music and you know he goes down that could have been a final boss but then but he keeps going yeah and, and you come into this room with these ricocheting lasers and you know you know a lesser game and that could be a final boss but there's still more to this one stage and you run into what looks like the entire military command of this nation who just all jump up into the air form this ouroboros robot and that's actually your final boss. And that's just level one. I know. <laughs> In other words, they were making sure that archaic companies got their money's worth with this game. Oh, uh, absolutely. Can imagine how many quarters went disappearing into this game where people were like, I think I beat it. And it's like, oh, by the way, that was just level one. There's four more. Yeah, I... When I was a kid and first played this game, it just blew my mind because I was just like, "There's what is this? And just so many interesting and weird things. Also, interesting note about that uh, super soldier guy you mentioned. If you're really talented and really good, and I've only managed to do it once, by the way, you can actually skip him altogether. You can jump just at the right time. You can just jump right over that whole area. Interesting. But it's huh. not easy. I imagine not. And in Strider, I mean, just the diff. I mean, just the different ports of it from what I've seen. Like, it doesn't really ever lose its actual like stylization, which is really kind of cool. And it just keeps throwing creative stuff at you too. It's, it's really neat. And it, there's lots of it that, despite it being like a side scroller uh, hack and slash, just feels almost like cinematic in areas like. There's that one area where in the second level where you have to just run down the hill and there's all these mines going off and everything. And that just, that was really cool to me when I was a kid because I just felt like something that you'd see like in an action movie or something. And I was playing it. Yeah, by that point, you're well past the giant cybernetic gorilla. Wait, not cyborg, (laughs) just a robot. But still, again, that's something that would be a final boss in any other game. But it's like right off the... Practically the start of that level. It, it was it was kind of the okay. You, did you have fun jumping around? Good. Boom. It's like here you go. Oh no, that's not the end. We have more. That this is this is the weak side. Like it's almost you. Part of you is gets intimidated because you're like, if this is just like a mid level boss, what the heck do they have planned for the rest of the game? I do I like know. some of the stuff they had planned for. Um... Like some of the gravity elements and some of the later levels too. Like mm-hmm. when you're like infiltrating that uh, airship, and there's all those areas where you have to like change gravity, like walk on ceilings, and then you have like the whole boss where a lot of the game you're like trying to learn patterns and like know when to dodge, but then all of a sudden you get thrown at this boss that just sucks you into some kind of gravitational vortex, and you're flying all over the room. And like compared to everything else you fought to that point, it's just like you feel like you have so little control over your character, and are just like fighting for your life in this giant robot at the same time. Uh, it was just a cool mix of things that are that are and are not within your control, and yeah. a nice added layer of difficulty to it. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about that third boss a little because I remember struggling to get to it, and then I'm in that gravitational loop, like you said, Dob, and I'm just swing, swing, swinging away with the cipher, which is the tonfil-like plasma sword, and I beat that thing in my first go. And it was trying to figure out what to do after that that I got hung up. Should be an entrance that just appears at the bottom of it after that. Yeah, yeah. I just had to figure out. Okay, I'm going down. I'm going down. Wait, wait. wait where do I go? Where do I go? Do I go down? Nope, nope. I'm dead. Okay. Do I? <laughs> should I try going back up? Nope. I'm dead. Oh, oh. I should hang on to the ceiling here. Okay, that worked. Uh, I think even as a kid, my I, I was so just entertained by the ability to grab on the walls that every time I was in that game, I every point I could in that game, I was just clinged onto a wall or something. Well, you know, it's like, it's like one of those first games where it's like, you know, every other game, like you jump and you miss, you don't have that, that of that time period, that mechanic of what we all would do, which would be to grab it grab onto something like your character just goes straight down and this is like the first character that was like grab pull it was just like wait what i think that showed up that game mechanic shows up in ninja gaiden too possibly kind of i know you can latch onto walls and jump back and forth but i don't know if you can actually walk on the walls like you can't and you can't do the you can't cling on the ceilings in ninja gaiden like you can in 
Because sure. that was what was cool. You can cling on to everything in Strider. He's like freaking Spider-Man. I hope that it's true. But I was reading this... Uh, I was actually reading a little bit of wiki stuff a while ago about the development of the game. I'm hoping it's true story, but it's Wikipedia, so take it for what it's worth. There's a story about like the developer for the game, the whole wall clinging and like the climbing aspect came to him when he got locked on the building of a roof. And the only yes. way that he was able to escape was by climbing down the side of the building to a fire escape. And that gave him the idea for his character to be able to like climb around on walls and implement that in the game. Yes. And like terrifying as it sounds, like I still also kind of hope that it's true. Like that's how you came up with the idea. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that story too. And I, I saw the interview um, with the, with the creator where he did say that, yeah, that, that, cause they were like, did this really happen? He goes, yep, that did happen. He says, I went, I just gotten awarded to develop the game. And he had gone on the roof, and it was winter, and the door shut, and he had a choice. He could freeze, or he could try to climb down, you know, and he decided to climb down, and Barton was like, why is this not in a video game? <laughs> <laughs> like, they interviewed him, like, yeah, I heard that, I've heard that story, too, and the creator did confirm that that did happen to him. Like, he, it, it, shortly after, he got awarded the ability to make the game. So nice. it was kind of a major, like, he kind of was like, I want this component in the game after that. And coincidentally, I think this game actually beat any video game version of Spider-Man to wall crawling in a 2D side-scrolling uh, format. Normally, the past Spider-Man games I can think of, notably the 2600 version, took more of a crazy climber approach. I think the next closest one with, like, Spider-Man traversal is maybe, like, Arcade or Spider-Man X-Men like Arcade's Revenge. If you ever play that on Super Nintendo or Genesis, like you could climb on, I guess, on ceilings and walls and very terrible web slinging. But like, it was like kind of there, but it didn't have near the same feel or impact that this did. Yeah, it took a long while for a good Spider-Man game outside of uh, of something like a two D fighting game to come along. But you know we're. But we are tangenting. Uh, that's Mark one. <laughs> my tan my tangent board is packed away because we're moving. So I don't know what box it's in. Mom, mom, mom put it away. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll just keep a mental track of this one. No problem. Now, how many Strider games are there? Because I heard a count of fourteen at one point of games he's been in. Oh, I mean, oh if we're talking about games he's been in, oh. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's cameoed in a bunch of stuff, but like as far as like mainline games, there's really aren't that many. It's like yeah, it's really it, it also depends of what you count canon, but yeah, because there's a the arcade one, which is what the Genesis and Master System ones based on. There's the NES game, which is completely different and based more directly on the manga. Then there's the Strider Two arcade game, but there's also game. a what? I love that game. That game's good. so good. Uh, and then there's this Strider Return to Darkness game on the Genesis that is best to ignore its existence. Yeah, that <laughs> one has its roots on British microcomputers. If I remember is, it, is, this, is this kind of is this kind of like the Philips CDI Zelda games for me, where they don't exist? Don't bring them up; they're not real. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay. You, uh, European company US Gold got the rights to uh, make computer games of Strider and somehow use those rights to make an unofficial sequel. And it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just seem to have that habit. Uh, they did the same with Street Fighter, which we discussed all the way back in episode two. Go back and listen to it if you haven't already. <laughs> Do it. Do it. And but yeah, and there there was indeed an arcade Strider too, and there was also the 2014 Strider game, which was a big reimagining of the franchise. Ooh, I can't believe I forgot to mention that because that game was actually surprisingly really good. <laughs> yeah, I recently watched Dobby stream that. Yes, that's right. Yes, I gotta finish that file. <laughs> yeah, I was actually really happy with that game. It's like it, they took. It kind of feels like a mix between the arcade game and the NES game in a way. Like, it took the things I liked about the NES game, but it mostly plays like the arcade game. So, kind of a bit of a Metroidvania take on it. And, yeah, that, that game was really good. A pity Double Helix doesn't exist anymore, which is the company that Capcom outsourced it to. Yeah, that that's the way of the industry these days, unfortunately. 
Well, they got bought out by Amazon to make games for some Amazon thing that never happened. So, oh, Jeff Bezos, stop ruining everything. <laughs> which is a pity because it was right after they made two really impressive games, which was like Strider Two, and they also were responsible for the uh, reboot of Killer Instinct that came out, which was also really good. Yes, yeah. yes, I've played a good chunk of that. And got bought out and then shelved, for lack of better words. Yeah, didn't they do a, a couple of Silent Hill games, too? Uh, they did, I think, one like, that wasn't very well-received or something. Actually, mm. let me look up. I got it right here. Silent Hill Homecoming. Ah, yes. Mm. They also did a G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, Green Lantern, Killer Instinct Season 1, and UFOs Love Cows. Didn't they also do a Battleship game? Yes, they did a Battleship game too. Based on the movie. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when we eventually start looking at movies based on games, that is on the list. Oh, I'm a little nervous. (laughs) I I actually watched that. The only game, the only movie that did a great job being based off of a game is Clue. Yes, or based on a board game, anyways. But yes, I. I actually watched the Battleship movie in theaters, and it's a terrible movie, but I won't lie, I kind of enjoyed how freaking stupid it was. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a movie where you just turn off your brain and just enjoy the stupidity of it all. Pretty much. Yeah, There's like, nothing wrong with that once in a while. No, you every so often you just need, you just need that, that dumbed-down movie that you're like, this makes no freaking sense, but it's gloriously awesome. I need to know the your life. I need to watch this battleship get sunk. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, just sink the ship already. Should have named it the Titanic. Too soon? Too soon? No, no, not too soon. It's been, oh, what, over 100 years now for the Titanic? 100 plus, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, you're fine. Long enough that we got an Italian cartoon that claimed that everyone didn't die in the... <laughs> claimed that, no, people didn't die in the Titanic. That's an overstatement. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And there was a rapping dog. Yeah, there was a rapping dog in it, too. <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. party time! Yes, it's party time! It's like, don't think of it as how many people died. Think of it as how many uneaten lobsters got saved. <laughs> this is fair. And then it got a sequel that brought Atlantis into it. Which is like, oh, why? my. I, I will say it, it's Italian and it's cartoon. <laughs> this is true. But, yeah, no, it, I think it just starts off as like, it's like, well, didn't every, didn't, didn't a lot of people die in Titanic? I was like, no, no way he died. It was just a big misunderstanding. I was like, wait, pause. <laughs> what? Did you and I read the same history? Because I remember it slightly differently. This is not the Mandela effect. You do not get to wipe out thousands of people dying due to gross incompetence. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's two. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, and the Titanic the... sunk as quickly as the uh, the aerial battleship Balrog. Time ah, bringing things nice. right hey, Bring nice. it all together. Nice, nice. <laughs> Now, did they did Capcom did Capcom reuse Balrog the name Balrog into Street Fighter from this game too, or I, I don't know if it was as a reference to this game or just coincidental. But if it is a reference to this game, that is actually pretty cool. Well, I, I believe the captain of the Balrog is supposed to be Hispanic because they do have uh, the, the, the game lists Spanish voice samples in there. They throw so many languages in the voice samples in this game. That is actually one of the awesome things, despite some questionable dubbing and translation in parts. It is cool that they actually got people that spoke like the different languages that were being portrayed in it. That's, that is actually really cool. As green as the voice lines were, it was cool to have a game that, that actually had voice lines in it. Yep. Uh, Strider, here you will not leave your Asia alive. I gotcha. It's one of my favorite lines that I remember remember from that game because when uh, I think one of the first times that we cosplayed Strider, we were walking around a convention and some guy in a dealer hall just like stood up in his chair and just like screamed that at us. <laughs> it, it was amazing. Right, it, it was down a hallway of all of these different tables, and he was working one of them. He, he was very loud about it. It was it was, it was great. Very excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
To be fair, I'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. That's why that's why conventions are fun is because you you find you find the hidden fandoms from random little things. Like if someone showed up, if someone showed up at um, comic book convention dresses like Sherlock, I would totally be yelling out lines from Sherlock at them. Like that's just what we do. Or someone came as a Clue character, I would totally be trying to quote Clue with them just because, you know, it's just fun to do that. You're allowed to have that, that geeky moment. <laughs> I guess it's cool having geeky moments of this too, because I don't know. I guess Strider's considered kind of niche as far as uh, like a fandom or a character, because like yeah, he's been lined in or like been a staple character in like Marvel vs. Capcom type games. But like at least for me, I'm guilty of it too. Like I had no idea who or what Strider was until like he cameoed in Marvel vs. Capcom, and then I kind of had the reverse experience when he went back to research and like played the other stuff that he was in. Cause I just thought that he was such a cool fighting character. Like all the sound effects were awesome. Like I liked his weapon. I, I mean, I didn't realize at the time that his first appearance, like a redesign of his outfit, but then like they reused that when they did Strider two on the, on the PS one and the arcade versions. And you know, just running into other people, like regardless of how you became a fan of them, it's just cool to experience that together. Yeah. Also, let's be honest. Strider Hear You has the best death animation ever. It does. Mega <laughs> Man has like a similar one, but I still think Strider's is better. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, KG Inafune, one of the several fathers of the Mega Man series, has stated that he always liked the worldview of Strider and modeled the name of Mega Man X co protagonist Zero after one of its characters, uh, reportedly Solo. Mm hmm. Uh, Solo's the Boba Fett-esque bounty hunter, right? Yep, yeah. he is. Yep. He's also a guy that I recommend you kill him as soon as you see him, because if you don't, he's going to give you trouble later in the level. Mm. Yeah. Well, he also, I mean, Strider, from what it sounds like, from what I'm, I was reading, was he actually influenced a lot of major video franchises from, uh, from what we said earlier, Ninja Gaiden, yep. um, Devil May Cry, God of War, Mega Man, for some of the characters in there. I mean, it was for for such an what seems like what we're kind of it sounds like such a niche game. It really was an influential game, and I, and what's interesting is it won a lot of accolades when it came out. It made it onto the list of video games you must play before you die. I've got a beef with that list. Everyone has a beast. Anytime you do a list, James, everyone will always have a beef with something on the list. Yeah, we'll get into that in a different episode. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back to Street Fighter really quick, because while we were debating Balrog, Capcom has officially stated that one of the game's villains, uh, Tan Pu, one of the three leaping Chinese assassins with kicks that are similar in attack length to the Cypher, served as inspiration for Chun-Li. Nice. And in fact, Tom Poo would appear as a striker in the first Marvel vs. Capcom game. Yep. I kind of missed that aspect, because that was a fun element in... Uh, the, not to distract, but that was a fun element in the first Marvel vs. Capcom game, was the random strikers you could get. I kind of wish they went back to that with some of the sequels. I, I would agree. that that I mean, the closest that we have to that now are the assist trophies in Smash Brothers. Strider for Smash! Strider for Smash! Come on, Nintendo. As much as I love that, we both know it's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. If Dante wasn't going to happen this time around, I don't think Strider has a chance. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, th also... that was a murderous uh, Smash Direct as far as character dreams were concerned. Rest in peace, my beloved Shantae. Hmm. Dante oh. from Nickelodeon game. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They are putting out a, a Nickelodeon fighter game too. And okay. it actually looks like it could be good. It's made from the from a well-regarded developer who's made a Smash clone for Steam that people have liked. Slap City. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they also make the uh, little do uh, games, which are nice little uh, Zelda clones. Now give me the Angry Beavers. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I did see there's more surprises coming. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still surprised that Nigel Thornberry's in it. <laughs> I want to see uh, Angry Beavers, but they play like Ice Climbers. <gasps> that would be so good. That would be awesome. 
That would be so cool. Did they get Tim Curry to record more lines for Nitro for that game? I, I don't because think I, so. When I saw Tim Curry in 2017, he was in really bad health. Well, he just he just recovered from a stroke. He actually did, I think in 2019, he actually uh, acted in a version. They did a live for, um, a version of um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and he was in it. And he didn't look too bad in that. He, he looked, he didn't look like how he was before the stroke, but he didn't look bad. Like he, he looked like someone who had a stroke and he was still with it. Like when he, like with his lines and stuff, like he was still doing pretty good. He obviously did not play, you know, the sweet transvestite that he played originally. He played the perfect. Dr. Frankenfurter. Yeah. He played the psychologist that narrates the story. Well, voice act. There's also like voice acting is generally easier to do too than, than doing actual acting as a lot of a lot of people who have been actors that do get into bad condition t- tend to do a lot of voice acting at, at the end of their career so. or they're like mark hamill who always was a voice actor went into acting was like yeah no i prefer this <laughs> yeah the motorcycle accident didn't help mark hamill's uh bankability at the box office either no but wow that's tangent <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it gave us some of our favorite animated villains, man. So does that count as three or four at this point? I think it's four. I'm going to count yeah. it as four. We're almost there, Pemmy. <laughs> We're almost ready to beat yours. Oh, no. Well, the yeah, other this... thing cool with Strider 2 is apparently there is a album out uh, named Strider that actually is completely inspired by Strider. Nice. Uh, in October of 2012, Brazilian guitarist Pedro Pimental released a tribute theme to the game, this game series, also named Strider, and included on his debut solo album. It is considered to be a composition of very modern themes and guitars, great guitar solos, good quality recording, and very tasteful tones. Okay. Got like yeah, I got like a huge like a lot of. St- um, accolades for that but in, in talking about music interesting with strider is all of the music in the game was composed by a woman nice and she was unfortunately she was not credited with she was not credited for her work on it i'm trying to find her name i just found it and then i lost it um but she did all the music for it the whole entire um so compo- uh jo- junko Tamia, Tamia, Choco Tamia did all the music for Strider and she was a female composer. And sadly, unfortunately, she did not get any credit on the arcade version. She did get credit in the ports. That's good, at least. Yeah. Uh, and that's impressive for her because uh, the uh, different themes for the different levels in that game are really impressive. To be sure. Yeah. They definitely like feel like the. It, it definitely helps. See, because that's one of the neat things about that game is because all the levels are in, like, completely different locations, and the music really helps, you know, give that kind of cinematic feel I mentioned earlier and making you feel like you are, in fact, in that location. Yeah. She, um, yeah, she it was, she com- entirely composed it, was not credited in the arcade version, but she was mentioned as part of the original arcade staff and some of the console adaptions. They are missing some of her music, that she compiled, uh, she composed. Some versions were missing the um, music from the battleship and the third moon stages, and in those ones, they just replayed the music from the first stage. But yeah, th- I mean that's pretty cool. Like that she did the whole the whole game, just did awesome. the music for the whole game. Okay, so my question for Pemmy and Dobby, I know what my answer is. I know what uh, Chrissy's answer is, and I can take a guess what uh, Kitten's answer is. So I don't want to assume. Have either of you beaten the arcade original on one quarter? No. Nope. <laughs> um, I haven't actually made an attempt to do that. Um, the, I mean, honestly, the first version, or I guess the chance that I had to play the original one was, I guess after I found out who Strider was and I went to backtrack the games that he was in. Um, nice thing about getting Strider 2 on PS1 is that it also came with the original version. That so, was nice. Yes, yeah, so the first time that I beat it was actually on the, I guess technically the PS1 version of the game, which was, I think, a port of the Sega one. Yeah, a recreation. It wasn't a direct arcade emulation, I think. I don't know if uh, 
I don't know if a PlayStation could handle CPS one emulation. It, it's a really good port, though. Oh yes, I'm tempted to like go back and do that now. <laughs> <laughs> Here right. is the game challenge. <laughs> Uh, I, I've never been much of a person for the whole like trying to one credit win a game. I I have a friend who is very 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 obsessed with doing that, and he's probably done that with Strider, but I've never had any interest in doing that. I just want to play the game and have fun. Has always been my mentality. So that's that's the way to do it. I can't handle that amount of stress in my life. <laughs> I, I, I can just imagine you trying to stream it, doing it on, on just trying to do it in general. I can hear it, of course, of, oh, God, I hate this. Oh, God, I hate James, this. You've seen me play Mario Sunshine. You already know how this is going to end. <laughs> yeah. And then you and I both get anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I get that way, too. When I watch other people play, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I get that way watching some of Pemi's streams on 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 YouTube, where I'm just like, "Oh, RC Proam, Pemi, my heart went out to you watching you try to beat that game." I'm like, "Oh, honey, I, I feel your pain in so many ways." <laughs> I succeeded though. You did, and I was when you succeeded. I was so happy for you. I really was. I had I could not fully fill my hand for a whole day after that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It was like before we talk about this, maybe I don't need to try this challenge. But <laughs> <laughs> well, just don't don't play don't play RC Pro Am. There you go. That's it. <laughs> um, it was just like that whole area with my thumb and my like pointer finger and my like right hand couldn't feel anything in that. Oh no! That. Oh yeah, it was it was definitely like what was it? You played for what like ten hours? <gasps> Not ten hours. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Say, was it six uh, then? I know it was some. It was like I was like, oh god, because you broke it up in like seven parts. Let me take a look here. Uh, given a roughly a rough average of, of half an hour per part, that had to have been something around three and a half hours. Yeah. And RC Pro can be correct. Oh, okay. There we go. And RC Pro can be an intense game. I recall. One of Jeremy Parrish's uh, NES Works episodes where he had talked about similar experiences to what Pemi went through when he was a kid. See, actually, correction, three hours and 13 minutes. No, oh, okay. Give or take. Okay. So, but yes, didn't help that I actually had to restart the whole game at one point, too. <laughs> I know. Oh, no, no. no. He, he had to, and it was like, oh. You know, like, I'm going to restart. I'm like, no. <laughs> It's a mo it's that moment where you're just like save states must find save states. <laughs> <laughs> but what you had when you, but you the reason why you had to do it you you couldn't have used save states for that. See, well, you know, it, it was also like I said, it was one of those games that was from my childhood I never beat, so I was like I'm going to do it today. <laughs> Ooh. I I succeeded, but at what cost? <laughs> what was the cost? Was it worth it? Yes, but <laughs> There we go. Simple answer. But um, yeah, no, I've never been on one quarter because I didn't first play it until Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, that, and I like have I said, no urge to beat it. <laughs> I'll watch it. Do it. One quarter challenge is not my thing. <laughs> and James, what about you? I have not. I have not. I'm not. Not even close. I have beat Strider though. It just takes a, quite a few credits, especially on the third moon level. <laughs> yeah, that that's basically one of the original boss rushes. Oh. Just yeah, listening to it, about the last ones, I'm just like, yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't make it past like the first half of the stage. <laughs> yeah, even Strider unfortunately has one of my pet peeves in video games, which is I just don't like the whole boss rush concept. Welcome to Capcom. Yeah, welcome to Strider, Devil May Cry. Welcome to yeah. a lot of games, honestly. Uh, a lot of games do that, and every yeah. time I'm just like, oh, why? <laughs> Castlevania games love the boss rush these days, or oh back God. in the day. Back in the day. just I, I, I swear, it's kind of like, I almost feel like that when developers do that, the boss rushing, it's kind of like they've listened to like the other game, like 
you know, the, the jerk gamers are like, this game isn't hard enough. I've played harder back in my day. And I, if I was a game, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, the next game come out, boom. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. everyone else. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Everyone else, this is not about you. We get it. But I'm making <laughs> these bastards cry. <laughs> I, I think the... I think I got most infuriated with that with one of my recent like arcade funhouse videos where I reviewed uh, the game Too Crude and it was just like the every boss in that game was already insanely cheap and when I got to like the final level and it just gave me four of them in a row I was just like oh, really I suppose the only boss rush that ever made sense for me was when it happened in the Konami X Men game. Because, you know, these are reoccurring comic book villains. Of course, they're going to make a last stand to protect their big boss. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, that's kind of like with Mega Man. Like, I can understand why they had all of, you know, the, the boss, Robot Masters. The Robot Masters towards the end. Because it's kind of like the, you know, protect protect the chief type of thing. That's true. I still thought that was kind of cheap in Mega Man. Because you go through the whole game destroying everybody. It's like, yeah, kill all your robots. Like, yeah, well, guess what? I built two of them. <laughs> Yeah, while you were killing the other ones, I made more. Hey, and you know, it's there's a there was an old video, there was an old comic. It was called Bob and George. I remember that. Um, it was it was the first Sprite comic, um, and it was Mega Man based, and it actually started the trope of Mega Man is stupid unless he's fighting robots and he's smart. And they actually explain how Wiley had duplicates of the robots. He had a machine where once they died, he just went pink and he created more. And ah, I see you have the machine that goes bing. Pretty much, that's what it was. An army of the good robots instead of the dumb ones. <laughs> <laughs> it was also it was also part slot machine, and he was drunk when he did it. That's ah. what the comic will tell you. So it was like you hit the button, and it would do the slot, and whatever popped up, that's what was made. That's just that's just very bad ingenuity. <laughs> Sounds very wily, though. <laughs> Also, Number. something that Eggman uses in the uh, Sonic X cartoon, but yeah. just remember, everyone, just because he looks like Albert Einstein doesn't mean that he is. Is that number five now? Yes, <laughs> we are tied, and we have twenty minutes left, so we're probably going to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, roughly, it, it's the time is more of a guideline. You know, you know it, it's like it's it's suggestions. Well, let me put it to you this way. Are you going to stop the podcast right now? No. Then we have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like these odds. You May know, they we... ever be in our favor. <laughs> you know, mentioning, we've been mentioning Strider, but one of, uh, well, of course we've been mentioning Strider. It's about, it's about the whole thing. About. But uh, one of my, one of the things I really like in Strider we haven't mentioned yet is like uh, the power-ups. I love the little like droids that, like run around the screen and shoot the little like circle beams at stuff. Oh yeah, your little helpers. And if you manage to get a third of those, get what would be a third one, and instead you get this giant like saber tooth robo tiger thing that's just kind of crazy. I haven't seen the robo tiger yet. Yeah, you have to get like two of those robots and then get another power up at that point. You have to go an annoying amount of time without getting hit. <laughs> yep. Oh. Mm. Sad thing is, while that tiger's cool, I actually kind of like the little mushroom droids better. <laughs> yeah, they have more range. The, didn't those little guys cause no end of consternation for Marvel versus Capcom players, Dobby? The little robots? Yeah. Oh yeah, there is a very big love hate relationship with uh, Ouroboros. Listen, which... I, I love Ouroboros. You can just whoop butt. With that, especially in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 with X-Factor. I mean, he, he's such a good anchor with that. In all fairness, I, I never said I was on the hate side. I'm very much on the love oh, side. Well, obviously, <laughs> he is your anchor, but uh, he it, it definitely is a love-hate relationship. It's a pretty it's a decent super in Marvel 1. It's, I guess, one of the and top-tier strategies in Marvel 2 with uh, Dr. Doom Rock's assist and... Or a bur- so you can just kind of stop people from moving for a whole match if you know how to play it right. And Marvel 3A, I kind of just live and die by it. 
I, I also like the move where he just points and like all the freaking tigers and the hawks come out and just yes, decimate yes. him. Yes. So that good. is such a good way to end a match. Just send the robot zoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm done with you. Go. <laughs> Kill him. He did translate very well into the fighting game aspect from the arcade games. I think they did an excellent job with his assists and really calling back to, you know, all the robot animals and being able to use them to, you know, clear the screen or, you know, play neutral. And I, I think that's really cool that they did that. They got his <laughs> swings perfect as well. <laughs> I, and I gotta say, like, the sound effects sold me so much on my love for the character, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also like that they made a point to keep his little cartwheel jump too. So, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god, watching that for the first time, watching like pulling off the cartwheel jump, I was like, oh, I can just do this all day. Like right? I won't even advance. I will just cartwheel my way around the screen. I'm so easily amused. But there's a reason I opened this podcast with that ridiculous shing sound effect. Shing. It, that is just so satisfying, being able to just rapidly spam that attack. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it also just, it, it helps that, like, at the start of the, like, level, like, the enemies, you can just slice through with that, like, right off the bat. So it already gives you, like, this really awesome kind of feeling, like, at the start of the game. You're just like a sense of power because, like, you're actually cutting dudes in half instead of just like them getting a little like a generic explosion thing. Like, you actually see, like, oh, dude, well, I cut that dude in half. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very therapeutic. Uh, um, that's arcade design 101. Give someone something really cool in the first three minutes, make them hook them in, make them want to come back, and then start punishing them for their quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. See, I, I do want to mention something though about the uh, about the uh, NES game, um, real quick. Yeah. Um, which I'm the, the NES game's okay. Uh, I think it's got a lot of cool ideas, but it feels a little clunky, also. But what's neat about it is it's directly based on the manga. And what I find even more interesting about that is, despite the fact it's based on the manga, it only got a U.S. release. Yeah, that is probably one of the bigger mysteries. I don't know what happened there. There's been some running theories that Capcom was just unsatisfied with the final product in some to certain regard. Maybe there were some aspects of the game that were unfinished. I recommend tracking down the episode of Crontendo that Dark, Dr. Sparkle did. He goes a little more in depth into that. It, it does feel a little shaky in areas. Nothing that I'd say quite unfinished but there are like quite a bit of graphical glitches in some areas so and uh my friend crunchy has proven that you can actually beat the nest game in like five minutes if you know what to do through some glitching so interesting we gotta get crunchy on this podcast chrissy oh i would love to get crunchy i love I, every time he's not every time i hear him on um on the, the youtube videos i'm like oh this is to be a good one crunchy's here <laughs> We love our lion. <laughs> Crunchy, Crunchy is a, is awesome. He's he's a great guy, and he's definitely one of the more fun co-hosts I've had on streams and whatnot. It, it's no wonder you bring him on to riff bad cartoons. <laughs> he's good at it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, especially when he when he start when he gets started, you're just like, all right, sit back. No one else talk. Just let Crunchy go. This is gonna be <laughs> awesome. I, I have to catch one of your live Twitch streams. I really, really do. Uh, I If it's a video game stream, it yeah, well, you said Twitch, so that would be a video game stream. My video game streams usually are on Thursdays, so mm -hmm. um, though it, I, I try to do them weekly, but life has just been too hectic lately, so it's, whenever, it's kind of whenever I can, but I generally try to focus on doing them on Thursdays when I can. There are exceptions. Otherwise, I'm streaming art on Picardo. So. Nice. Which I've also sometimes had Crunchy come in and just shoot the crap with me on, on those. So me and him will just talk about random stuff while I'm drawing. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else we want to talk about Strider? What's oh. everyone's favorite Strider game that he's in? 
doesn't have to be of the main series. Well, I already said that Strider is my favorite game. So the original arcade Strider is my absolute favorite video game ever. So <laughs> that is definitely my favorite. I have well, I have an answer for both because I guess out of the mainline series, I think I actually like the second one probably the most, but I, that's also like the first mainline one that I actually played. So that might have some influence over it, but I like that you had some different power-ups in that one and it just kind of made your sword feel insanely strong when you got, it's kind of like started firing out these homing light beams off of it. It wasn't as, it didn't have that same feel that the like original arcade one did, but it still felt very cool in Ninja Lake in many ways. And you can eventually unlock and play as Hien, which is like another person in the line of Striders. And it was a different gameplay element that I enjoyed from that. And out of games that Strider is in, uh, still currently playing Marvel vs. Capcom 3 after it being out for over 10 years. So, uh, yeah, uh, enjoying that one quite a bit. <laughs> I would probably have to agree since we've been playing it for over a decade. I mean, obviously, it's got a really big place in our hearts. So I'd have to say Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 for sure. I, I have to go with Chrissy on that. Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, though, that's also because Sienko's in it. <laughs> I am so predictable. Yeah, not really. And I so has anyone actually looked at the box art of the different Strider games, like the one that was in uh, eighty nine, the one in ninety, and the one in ninety nine? <laughs> the Genesis cover is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's in, like the same era of like the Mega Man box art. Yeah. Yep. Isn't Strider fighting some guy in a cowboy hat who doesn't even show up in the game? I, I just remember he looks like some middle-aged dude, like <laughs> dressed <laughs> like Flash Gordon or something. Yeah, the the one the the Strider two one. Um, you're, you're looking at it and you're like, that's not Strider. But if you look at the original artwork for like the arcade game. And you go to that, you're like, and we see how the American influence has come in over the box art. <laughs> okay, I was thinking of the NES game there, and it's and that's not a cowboy hat. That's just me misremembering it. I did not recognize a Russian hat back then. Those were the ear flaps. The NES cover is actually pretty good. Yeah, um, I like the NES cover. The NES cover is nice. I just don't know what Sega was thinking with that Genesis cover. It's just like, what the, why does he look like some middle-aged, freaking short-haired, like blonde dude in spandex? In spandex, yeah. nonetheless. Now it's the like, ninety nine one's kind of cool. That's kind of that actually is a good a good one. That's not that's like not even what a sword looks like either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or they have like the swords like they have the the ninety one. They have what looks like like swords behind them like a peacock tail. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, here's my peacock tail. Look at me. Oh, that's the whole point of a peacock tail. <laughs> this, this is true. But when you're trying to be an assassin. That's the last thing you want to do is draw attention to yourself. Unless it's Assassin's Creed. That is uh, kind of a kind of a, a joke I've seen. Uh, uh, when OneUp.com did their ranking of ninjas, he ranked a seventh, but he lost a few points for not even trying to be stealthy. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? Why be stealthy when you can just go swing? Exactly. <laughs> You just hear that and know you run. <laughs> so do you think Mike Myers and Dana Carvey are going to sue us for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Anything that often breaks with Capcom. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I think we're going to more likely get copyright strike by Capcom than we would anybody by them. Well, they haven't hit us yet. Yet is the working word. <laughs> well, Capcom's not giving me any trouble with any of my videos, so I think you're safe. Yeah, they've even let the Mega Man Maker fan game stay up for four years. So they're, they're pretty cool about these things. It, it's Nintendo who usually goes after you pretty hardcore. And Disney. Yes. Nintendo and yeah. Disney are the two. Actually, Disney's never given me any, any uh, trouble. From doing like all the cartoon review videos I've done, I've never had any problem with Disney when I've done Disney stuff. DreamWorks, on the other hand, I don't like them. <laughs> I, I will tell you right now, if we ever get a cease and desist letter from any of these people, I will be reading it on here. I'm like, here's who decided to come after our podcast today. <laughs> oh, you didn't think I was going to talk about you? Tough nuggets. 
<laughs> you can't get blood from a you can't get money from a stone. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, DreamWorks does the wor did the worst thing to me because uh, seemingly it's like if I do anything they own, aka Shira, He Man, and it's any footage of it, they they will they don't remove the video or block the video. They just take all of the ad revenue from the video. They're like, oh, you can keep your video, but we're getting all the money from it. And I'll oh, dispute man. it. And I'll dispute it. Like, this is a review. It's under fair use. And, yeah. and they're like, don't care. Give us the money. And YouTube's not going to fight them. So I'm just like, I really don't like Dreamworks now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, it's going to be the upcoming one you're doing. Pretty interesting. It's also going to make any Shrek review we do very difficult. Well, <laughs> well, if it's just an audio, I think we can get away with it. So yeah, I mean, you're not—we're not really generating revenue with the podcast. Like, we're not getting paid to do this. We're having fun. At least these are. Uh, this one is. Honestly, if I, if if you do another one, Pemi, you could talk about it, but like use like footage from other stuff. <laughs> I'll just draw Stickman Stickman of He-Man with like a sword like a little fake sword be like you can't prove it's really He-Man it's my artwork <laughs> see cause, that, cause at that point they can't be like this is our wait that's is this your you mean you drew this you drew this like no you didn't draw this then it's not your work it's the guy who's talking's work it's just unfortunate cause they've got the rights to some shows I would like to talk about like at some point I would love to do a review of He-Man I'd love to do a review of Felix the Cat, and I'd love to do a review of the Mighty Hercules, but unfortunately, DreamWorks owns those, and I cannot do that. Or at least not show their, or at least not show, you know, footage from the actual cartoon. Which kind of defeats the purpose in a video, but... Sure. Do they so, own the He-Man, do they own the He-Man movie? Uh, the live-action one? I'd yeah. imagine so. Mm -hmm. I imagine so. I think they own every, I think, well, I don't know, actually. I know they own the cartoon, but uh, I don't. I, they don't own He Man himself because that would be Mattel. But seemingly they bought the rights to all the like Filmation library. But seemingly the only Filmation cartoon they care about to you know fight anyone over is He Man and She Ra. So yeah, because that was such a big hit for Filmation. Like yeah, that they're still making money off of it. Hey, you know what this means? We passed number. We passed five. We did. We did six. <laughs> this is not the most tangy. To say something, <laughs> James. We have. We finally have hit the magic number of past five. Wow. This is now the most wow. tangy podcast we have done so far. Yes. And Thank that is actually a very good place to. To uh, hit the pause button on this discussion and get ready to go into the last phase of the podcast, we will be right back with our contact information, Today in Gaming History, and where you can find all our guests on the interwebs. Stay tuned! Regulars, head over to www.patreon.com backslash fc3roc. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i -S -S -I at fc3roc.org. And me at J-A-M-E-S at F-C-3-R-O-C dot O-Org. 
At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool, and begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking, that's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Alright, welcome back. For this day in gaming history, this episode is set to air on July 29th. And on that day in 2008 was the US and Canada release of Soul Calibur 4 on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Now I mentioned those two specific platforms because they had a difference between them. Uh, the PlayStation version got Darth Vader, and the Xbox version got Yoda. This was really leaning into Soul Calibur's penchant for guest characters, and a lot of people were frustrated with Yoda. Y-O-D-A, Yoda. Yeah, I'm sure Dobby and, and Kitten can speak more to why Yoda was a pain. I did not like his hurt box. He's so <laughs> tiny, and he just flips all over the place, and I'm glad I got the PlayStation version. I don't care. Vader was a much cooler character. <laughs> well, I mean, how can you say, you know, Vader isn't? I mean, it's freaking Vader. He is the more, he is the cooler character. It's like, if you're fighting Yoda, like, the thing you want to do most is, like, force choke him, but you couldn't for, like, a year plus until, like, they actually released cross-DLC characters where you could buy them both on either platform. (laughs) (laughs) And then that bitch went down. (laughs) And then he did. (laughs) Judge me by my size, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I can never get over how much Yoda sounds like Rover, though. <laughs> oh, well, it is Frank Oz. I never put those things together. No, I did not either. <laughs> you were today years oh old when God, you learned no. this. Yoda is just old Super Grover. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, let's see if we get a cease and desist now from Muppets. That would be <laughs> really hilarious. Well, that. Huh? Um, I I don't think so. Uh, Sesame Workshop is uh, they'll be fine with oh, with yeah. it. They're they're they're. Well, no, you mentioned children. Rover that that would get Disney's attention. True, it's true. We haven't crossed Disney yet. Now we have. <laughs> <laughs> so while I go make some phone calls to my lawyer, uh, Pembroke, why don't you tell the audience where they can find you online? Uh, well, you can check out my web comic at dapukas.com that's d-a-p-u-k-a-s.com uh also my twitter is pembroke w corgi or you know at pembroke w corgi i also have a youtube channel that's artificial orange studios there's a lot of fun stuff on that on that youtube channel yeah i do i do let's plays i review uh classic arcade games and i also review cartoon shows so Unscripted honesty is still one of my favorites of your bits that you do. Oh, thank you. That is one of the, not exactly newer, but more kind of new. I don't know. But yeah, that that one's fun because it's just, I just pick a subject and kind of talk about it and then randomly and then piece it together. And um, they've been a lot more popular than I thought they would be. So, And meanwhile, you can find Hurricane Kitten and Dobby at... Uh, we're both on Twitch. Uh, I, I myself am at Hurricane Kitten. Dobby is Dobbalicious on Twitch. We, I think we both have links to each other in our profiles, so you can find us either way. We do. At least, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I don't use it a whole heck of a lot unless you want to see, like, some, uh, some dank memes and fighting game stuff. But, uh, <laughs> just have a link to my, uh, Twitter or my Twitch anyway, so you can find me there. Yeah, don't 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 underestimate the power of dank memes, okay? <laughs> That's like all our Discord is. 
Um, yeah, I'm also on Twitter at hurry, H-U-R-R-I underscore kitten. And uh, yeah, a lot of fighting game stuff, lots of artwork. I rant about stuff. You'll see my quirkies on there too. So. Yay! Yeah. Puppy. I tell you, next time you do a fighting game stream, Pembroke, you, we, you and Dobby should be squaring off. <laughs> Them's fighting hurts. <laughs> I haven't played that game yet. Oh, I, I, it's quite fun. And it's, it's really good considering it's like just a small indie group that put it together. Sometimes those are the best ones. I, I really love indie stuff. And they, they also do. had to deal with cease and desist stuff like we were talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bionic Farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that so much, and I'm so sad that it had to go. And, of course, you can, you'll be able to find Chrissy and I at the Flower City Comic Con, number six in the Search for Con 5, <laughs> coming up September 25th and 26th at the Total Sports Experience in Gates. We've, Of course, they're going to have a bunch of guests. They just announced, as of this recording, Gremlina from the original Glorious Ladies of Wrestling. Which is a, definitely yeah. a, I gotta imagine that's gonna sell some tickets. There's an audience for it, so. No, yeah. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, wait, what? I forgot about that show. Yeah, if, if you're one, if you want to talk to one of the people who inspired the hit Netflix ser- sitcom, this is your chance. But on that happy note, we're gonna call it off here. I'm James Irish. I'm Chrissy Harding. And on behalf of Pemmy, Hurricane Kitty, Dobby, and all the regular Irregulars, game on. Bye, everyone. See ya.